So guys, I hope you're doing well. This is my first episode and it will build the foundation upon which we will go on further. And the session for today was quite intellectual and quite fun to be honest. It was a blast. Um, the thing you'll have to note is my voice wasn't up to mark. Um, that's mostly because my mic, my microphone wasn't working well. But since my guest had a lot to say and what she said really hit home, I was like, nah, I'm not gonna delete this episode. No way. We talked for too long and this is a very, very important episode. <laughs> to be honest, I would, I can't stress enough how much her words are important. What she says are, what she says is important because she's an expert on the field. So I, I implore all of you to look into it and to listen carefully because this is a very, very, uh, sorry, this is a very, very important issue that is far too much or far too overlooked and it needs a lot of recognition the world over and it is what it is so yeah enjoy and happy listening Assalamualaikum, ladies and gentlemen. Um, today, the topic that we're going to discuss is child mental health and well-being. We have a quite a prolific uh, mental health specialist and educational psychologist uh, who's quite profound in the field of educational psychology as it is and also delivers therapy. So, um, we'll start off with her. So, uh, ma'am, I'd like you to give an introduction of yourself. Okay. Uh, hello, everybody. And uh, my I'm my name, as you know, is Aiza Yazdani Abid. I go by the surname as well. And uh, um, I describe myself as an educational psychologist and trauma therapist. So two different things. But what do they really mean? Basically, um, I do psychometric testing. I work with children who have disabilities. I work with people who need a diagnosis. I work with children and young adults of all ages. At the same time, because my work is based in trauma, vicarious trauma. So over the years, I have developed myself as a professional who is not only an EMDR therapist, but I deal with children and adults, believing that at some point or the other, their lives were impacted by trauma. So if you uh, have any diagnosis or anything, whenever I work with a person, I take a detailed history. And I would like to think that some profoundly dramatic event in their lives had happened at some point or the other, which keeps them grounded in that time. So we explore those areas and my EMDR training helps me work through those uh, problems. So there you go. I work with children who may be having difficulties in school. Then I work with people who are going through stress, anxiety, and depression, and other related issues. All right, all right. Uh, quite good to know. Um, first off, one of the issues that comes to mind is uh, the stigmatization of mental health in our country, Pakistan. I'm quite appalled, by the way, that people don't usually like reach out for help and they consider uh, this to be more of a taboo than something you need people go to hospitals for their physiological uh, needs or health but they don't they mostly neglect their psychological or mental health or well-being so what do you think about this why is this so stigmatized and why are people being so ignorant about this i i totally agree with you um i uh, did my MPhil in psychology about three decades ago, right? And at that time, there was no opportunity in Pakistan. Fast forward, then I, st- uh, uh, I started my PhD. Things were relatively better. Uh, and, you know, educational psychology is a field where we go for primary intervention. Primary intervention is that we are there before the issue develops. So we work uh, in schools or work with people. So rather than having them hospitalized or at a later stage, we want to tackle issues at the very early, earliest, right? 
Now what happens is that when I go to schools or when I talk to people around me, the, there is a great uh, a block in understanding that what you're feeling may be causing you to behave in a certain way. If you don't uh, uh, feel hungry, if you don't feel sleepy, if you don't feel uh, like talking to people, it's like take a d- tablet, take this, take that and uh, uh, forget it. You must eat, you, must, you have to live, uh, so you must eat. Not realizing that sometimes the body is telling us something. So uh, in my last uh, two, three decades, my, I would say my entire professional life, I have basically uh, crusaded for awareness. Wherever I have been, I have been trying to create places for other psychologists to come, talking to people at every forum because the mindset needs to be changed. I've been to schools where uh, the schools refuse to acknowledge, and I would even offer free trainings, but even that would not be taken up because of the resistance. And the second problem is, how will we talk to the parents? And then the parents don't know how to talk to the school administration. Because what will the other parents say then? Or what will the administration say? Will my child be labeled? So this stigma, this fear of being labeled is very strong. However, in this pandemic, many people have come up. And I am hoping to see a better uh, society, a more awareness-focused society, because the amount of work we have done since last one year in promoting this at many forums. Hopefully things will change. Oh, that is quite a big issue, but I'm glad that you're working towards solving this at your own personal capacity, which is quite, um, uh, how would I put it, commendable. So another thing that came to my mind is I have this case case study of a person. So this is basically revolving around um, what I consider toxic parents or toxic parenting and parental negligence, which is quite common in our um, uh, society. Uh, I remember uh, attending a Zoom uh, seminar of yours where you were talking about the lack of like the intelligence quotient in our society as a, as a whole, because not a lot of people over here are intelligent. That's where the ignorance stems from, to be honest. Hmm. But um, what I'm getting at is why are parents so ignorant? I remember this guy. Um, what happened is he was mentally challenged. That's the term I consider to be the right one. I don't know why people give these derogatory, uh, derogatory terms or remarks, which I find quite offensive to people who are going through a hard time. So this person um, was going through a hard time. He was questioning everything. And um, I remember that there's, there's these stages called burnout, anxiety, and depression. Like these three stages are keen. So I remember he was going through burnout, he was going through anxiety. I don't know if he was depressed, but what happened is, what I uh, deducted is, his household was the cause. I, I think he went through some domestic violence issues, parental uh, negligence, but I heard from some people close to him that he was going through all of this. Uh, now his parents didn't consider it. They were like, I don't know, we'll get through this. Uh, at his at the institute that he was studying and he was bullied and when asked by the people why they bullied him they said that his behavior wasn't the right kind or wasn't acceptable but they didn't uh, understand that he was going through a tough time his mental faculties weren't up to par so the question I'm thinking about is why why aren't people considering that uh, toxic parental toxicity or toxic relatives, not even parents, siblings can be toxic, even your significant others can be toxic. Why isn't this talked about so much in our country? Like there are a lot of uh, rationales that people use, rationalize with. But I, I, what I believe is um, that a lot of these mental issues stem from the home, is what I believe in. So what do you think about this though? I agree with Julie. They all stem from the home, basically, because a newborn is in his family's care. Child, children are not you know, going to schools until they're five, six years old. So the home is the breeding ground for whatever kind of personality you want in your child. Uh, let, let me give you a little bit of perspective. Uh, uh, we need to look at uh, the way we are uh, uh, raising the children, the way we are living in this country, our attitudes, our mindsets. We need to look at our religious and cultural mindsets. 
now uh, here we talk a lot about religion but what i think is that the cultural uh, uh, mindset is actually dominating us okay and what is that cultural mindset that is uh, the patriarchal setup of where the father has all the control and he is the breadwinner so he is bringing the food to the table and then he is also used as an administrator as a person who is laying down the law and if he is very strict everyone is scared of him and uh, uh, like a bogeyman the children are threatened by the mother that if you don't behave i will tell your father so that is one side of it right and then on the other side we have mothers who are overprotecting their kids from their fathers uh, because the father is very strict so they are hiding uh, any trouble that the children may be getting into so now that's one side right at the same time what is also happening is that violence is endemic in our society it is perfectly okay to shout at your wife to slap your children but you must be very kind to your parents you get my point yeah so while the parents are to be respected which is our uh, religious and moral obligation we often forget that the behavior that we are uh, giving to our wives and children and spouse, uh, husbands some of the time let let me not be gender biased so the uh, home environment is quite controlling most of the time now the second word i think is that being endemic it, it means that our child rearing practices are harsh uh name calling bullying uh, you sleep too much you are lazy you are you know so we lose a lot of uh, these shaming words for children and praise is very rarely used so the child is scolded for his betterment he or she is compared to uh, his uh, the cousins the neighbors children the other children in the class and expected to perform very highly and if he doesn't then he hasn't tried enough so what's happening here there is a constant atmosphere of degradation or um, you can also call it bullying it is from parents is from teachers and then what else will the children pick up so they learn those all the same very attitudes from the adults around them uh when i work with teenagers i ask i when i talk to them what i ask what is going in through their minds and they have come to a point you know when you talk to a 12 or 13 year old and now i've gone into adult testing and uh, when i do sessions with adults young adults especially and they have a lot of uh, uh, anxiety and uh, let's say stress than anxiety and then it le- develops into some kind of depression or phobia so they all feel i i'm i'm not good enough i've never been good enough so we work through that and we come back to a time when the child was having difficulty in school and like you said the emotional quotient the intelligence quotient well everybody is not a very high performing person so we are very hard on children who are just below the average line and we don't give them enough space we don't give them enough motivation and most critically we don't understand that they may be having a problem so in all of this uh, like i said we fail to ma- ma- uh, meet the um, uh, uh, mind and body uh, relationship so we think uh, if you don't feel hungry that's like that's related only to hunger but we never think that your emotions and thoughts and your sad feelings they affect your body and vice versa exactly exactly um what i'm getting at is basically everyone has this innate need of emotional connections which are at times deprived um by the social connections that they have um abusive households and abusive society uh bullying is a big problem nowadays which kids are facing but uh i've seen that parents don't even look at that or they're they're like two ends of the spectrum at one side you have you have poor protective parents that spoil the kid which is also quite common in Uh, what i what i have experienced from uh, higher classes classes uh, or the middle class people 
Um, and uh, on the other spectrum are people who are quite ignorant to the fact that their kids might be bullied, um, which is quite predominant or prominent in our society and in our institution. Cyberbullying is a big issue. Um, so kids from our country have a lot of uh, weight that's melting them under. And then I remember something. Yeah, there's another example. Most of what our parents do or what our relatives expect from us is they think of us as they force us to be fish that need to climb up trees. But that's yeah. not our function necessarily. Fish are meant to swim, not go on land. Um, if they allow the fish, or that's that fish specifically, to go into deeper waters and find its true potential, now that's something that's worthwhile. But the thing is, our society and our societal or cultural mindset is still well. It's what I call in, still in the infantile phase, to say the least. If you look at the West, uh, the mindsets and the, uh, the cultural ideologies and societal ideologies have far transcended uh, into a new echelon of thinking as compared to ours. We people are mostly more primal or archaic when it comes to that. And uh, it is mostly because of our cultural mindsets. Uh, well, it is because of that that we, we're stuck at this phrase. We have not evolved. We have this antiquated sense of uh, or antiquated ideology that still hinders our growth. Um, so I'm still appalled that people don't consider these issues. Now they consider them issues that are more Western, which I, I still don't understand why. Um, they can, and one of the biggest things I see is that people or our people in general don't accept our country as a third world country. While the issues are more or less third world-esque, uh, and they don't, they're not even ready to accept the ideas or the, the good concepts from the West, which hinders us again. Um, children are not safe outside. There are a lot of cases I don't even want to begin with. Our, our children, especially the small ones, the toddlers, are not safe. Um, the cases that are coming in are really appalling and quite worrisome, or worrying to say the least. But what I'm thinking is, um, why are children forced to fill out, fill out a mold that they're not meant to fill out from the beginning? Like there's this uh, concept that my son will be a doctor, or he'll be a pilot, or a military officer, or an engineer. When they could be a good music, musician, um, an artist, and anything that could be creative or something else, uh, an architect. Why is that mindset so prevalent nowadays? So. Uh, there's a, a, a quite a, a, I would say, uh, accurate question and uh, critical also. I'll share something with you. Um, when my son, about five, six years ago, he was in A-levels and we were considering, okay, what professions, what to do and where to go. So I had him talk to uh, people at... Uh, universities and had him meet a lot of people so that he could make up his mind because he had the typical biology chemistry and physics and maths subjects so we were just figuring out what to do and almost from everybody that we met the take home was have a good technical degree so that you your livelihood will be insured and if you want to do anything for the like music or anything that will come later, but you must take your professional degree first. Like, okay, you don't want to be a doctor, but then do BDS because then that is a professional degree. You don't want to do, don't want to be an engineering uh, engineer, but just do engineering because then you will still have a, have a backup. So we come from a culture of, uh, you know, if you see the subcontinental uh, pattern here, the professions were carried on from father to son. They went down generations, you know, they were artisans, they were uh, masons, they were, they were huge, uh, the, the uh, amount of people. But basically, they were all doing what their ancestors had done. So they were just continuing with that. With this uh, change and with, uh, since Pakistan was made, there has been some change. But again, the focus went on to government jobs, safe, secure dependability, reliability, and in a secured future. So over the years, you will see in the last 20, decade, uh, 20 years, 
we have actually finished sports in Pakistan. Do you notice that? at the cost of school and the tuitions and the child's uh, personal uh, space there is no time left for the child and the parents are so driven no you must study you must get good grades and then for what and my belief is that you don't have to have high grades to do what you want to do you because now there are so many opportunities and let the child find his or her way forward with what they like and what they're interested in. And then children learn differently. Some learn with music, some learn with words, some learn with by their hands. So we need to give those opportunities to the children. But somehow we are so focused in following, and you're right, while the rest of the world has moved on and believe in carving out your own niche, here we must follow that typical pattern of same stability, completing school, college, university, then getting a job, getting married, and then the whole cycle starts all over again. So there's very, if you look around, there are hardly any opportunities in Pakistan for um, anything different apart from uh, the uh, huge number of restaurants everywhere. What would you do on a regular evening or a weekend day? What are the options there? So that speaks of the stagnation in our society on an intellectual level, on an artistic level, on a creative level. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of recreational activities, to be honest. Yes, there is tourism, but it is expensive and we earn quite less, to be honest. Uh, we don't even earn minimum wage, even in decent jobs as compared to our neighbors. Associates. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, a, a person with a degree is now the pay structure is such that many with higher degrees are not earning as much. But people who are multifaceted, who have a lot more abilities, they are doing a lot more. I see youngsters now, they are earning their money from startups, from uh, the registrations with SECP that has been dramatically high in the last year during the pandemic. Do you know that? Yes. And I think the reason behind that is because the economy has shifted towards a more digital uh, medium, to be honest. You know, uh, kids nowadays are tech savvy, and that's kind of a discussion in of, in of itself but what I'm getting at is um, people have been enterprising or have had this entrepreneurial mindset for a long time the only thing that made that mindset die down most of, most of the kids who were aspiring to be entrepreneurs is because of those preset or preconceived notions uh, or preset ideals that they have to have the secure job and no growth to be honest in my experience not being an entrepreneur is one of the main, the main issues our society is facing. We are running towards jobs, but we don't focus on creating them. We focus on being financially secure. But, but when in the end, even if you, like I've seen a lot of people over the years, even if you uh, have lived out your life doing a government service job, you can't even live on off of that pension. You have not thought of even making a retirement plan. I've seen people struggle at their 60s or 70s just because of that mindset that they did not invest, did not formulate the right assets. And I believe that the main thing to blame is that cultural mindset, uh, which is <laughs> get a secure job. And I believe that risk takers are the future. Like if no one ta takes a risk, then they're like, not putting their chips in the right place. Um, I think Warren Buffett once said that, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase these words, I think he said that if you are not earning some from some other source than your main source of income, for example, your job, you're one step away from poverty. And that's quite a predominant example here. A lot of people in current services at the 17th grade are just living hand to mouth. They don't live a life that I deem worth living just because of their monetary um, I would call it enslaved. I don't know if that if that's a harsh word but it is. To be honest, people don't earn here much and the main thing is this is the aftermath of the domino effect. 
uh, main source being that not that we should have a secure source of income, even if there's no growth. You, you may know this, right? Everyone knows this. After three years, we hardly get a small increment in our monthly salaries. And uh, the, the inflation goes through the roof each and every year. And deflation does come in now and then, considering that the US dollar has depreciated value as compared to But children's or young adult careers are at stake right now. And I consider this mentality to be at the forefront of this decline. And I would, I would put as, put it as, uh, well, put youth potential, youth growth potential. Um, I see startups growing rapidly, and uh, mostly what I think is those people break the mold. They ignore what their elders have told them. No, I, I'm not against listening to the elders, but I'm against ignorance because age is just a relative matter when it comes to uh, something that is more uh, as beneficial. And um, uh, oh, let me let me uh, you know. Uh make a connection here hmm? when we talk of people who have been sat in uh, salaried jobs all their lives and they are coming to a retirement state they're let's say just their 60s okay so if you see any family uh, once the parent, uh, father or mother they're in their 50s and then 60s you will notice that their children by this time are now either uh, finishing university or you know if you have a larger family so some children will be in that university phase right and suddenly the problem comes because they may have gone to good schools and they may have had a very good life but now that jump needed to maintain that level which is that my friends are going abroad why can't i go parents can't make that jump because again their earning capacity is reducing and maybe they need to hold for the future now they need to plan for the day because they don't have that flexibility of uh, working as the new world demands now so what basically i'm seeing is that in young adults they, they are actually at uh, you know uh, opposite ends with their adults they want freedom they want to be able to do what they want to do and go wherever they want to do and eat and enjoy because generally that's the way you know the society has shaped but you need money to do that and if they are out at all hours different hours they need cars they need fuel they need money and they need you know that whole group uh, to to be able to uh, you know keep up with the group now the problem is that here the parents start exerting their control you can't do this you can't do, and obviously some may be able to keep themselves balanced and uh, not get sidetracked into other things but a lot of bad things are also happening unfortunately here and as is typically the rest of the world youngsters have risky behavior they want to try out new things but where then families exert more control so there we have a, a battle of the egos you can say a tussle between parents it can be between daughters and parents and sons and parents and there therefore this age after 15 16 until 21 22 this is very critical i have come across a number of young uh, boys their parents come to me or the children come to me and this total lack of understanding from parent the middle ground is very hard to find and if we can re- then if we, they come to therapy and if we can reach reach through something it it then makes a change for the betterment but right now uh, for those who don't reach out youngsters are growing going through a lot of stress and i have all my sympathies for them because the world has changed uh no matter what we say we are a little behind but things have changed and actually the elders need to understand that but when we try to enforce that status quo there's the problem and i believe that um like i'm going to quote a couple of these self defense mechanisms for the ten self defense mechanisms so in that regard i'm going to explain my point so um i've seen a lot of Uh, relatives scolding their children 
Now that scolding is on the basis, not scolding, scolding at, at most of the time is beneficial. Shouting at others. They displace their experiences or emotions, their negative baggage, they throw it on the children. Which I find sad, to say the least. And this cycle of hatred continues with the children that introduce this displacement mechanism onto their own social relations. They start uh, projecting their negative emotions. And I've also seen a couple even regress, to be honest. Uh, like some kids crying out like they're like, how I would put it as is, a teenager crying out as if he was a toddler. I've seen people that which is quite common when it comes to like people are going through a lot of stress uh there's this pandemic i would say of burnout happening through and through people mistake burnout for anxiety but it is quite different it is a precursor to anxiety uh what burnout i believe is is that you know you have a lot of stress and you're overburdened you start start getting worried you start losing sleep you become an insomniac and other start stuff stuff starts happening. If you look at sleep parents of the youth nowadays during post-COVID times, I've seen people sleep much later, like sleep at 4 a.m., 6 a.m., wake up at 1 o'clock, or even get a few hours of sleep, like three or four hours, and they're like becoming insomniacs more and more. Um, it is quite an issue, but what I'm thinking about, thinking about is, uh, there's this thing, uh, you know about psychometrics, yes, you're quite accustomed uh, to that is your group. What do you say if the government, if someone suggests this to the government that they should start like a scheme for people to have these mass career aptitude tests where uh, the proficiency of uh, the potential uh, candidates for a specific career can be tested out kids that are aspiring to be something can be uh, more inclusive towards that uh, echelon and their parents would understand that if this career is uh, this career test shows that they're more proficient in this regard, then we should back off and let them do their, their thing. Uh, involve career counselors. What do you think about that? Like I, I totally agree with you. And it's a wonderful idea that you're proposing. Uh, you know, in, in the US, you have these uh, uh, vocational and aptitude tests. And if you would look at the list of uh, uh, professions that they're offering, you would be amazed. Uh, we, that's not applicable here. Now, uh, uh, why is that list not applicable? Because a child who's coming to you uh, uh, and you tell him, okay, you are good to be a gardener, they'll just look at you, what, are you crazy? Will you go around on a bicycle to be, and do, do people's gardens? And that's the first thing that comes to you. And, uh, uh, and thinking of a horticulturist, how will you teach that child to be a, <coughs> sorry, horticulturist? So th those are two different things. So I uh, hope at some point that uh, what we do is that in schools, we introduce these uh, uh, professions. One thing is that you have vocational training institutes, right? Now they have a, a certain specific subject and they have uh, uh, like carpentry and mobile and other uh, skills that they give, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So that is not fit for everybody in schools and till intermediate colleges. We need to introduce a practical uh, trainings which, so that by the time the children graduate, they do have a working knowledge of some things as well. And if they want to stop studying after intermediate, there's no shame in that. And they have the basics of doing whatever they want to do. For instance, we uh, teach them basic like electric, uh, electrical stuff and uh, other things, nursing, and all these different fields, we give them an idea. So then they're able to go in different fields. In some countries, there is a, a high school diploma for uh, uh, these chores, for instance, like uh, uh, even for therapists or remedial, remedial people or different in Canada, especially. And you can do that and then you earn a lot of money. And then when you want to go for your degree later on, then you do your bachelor's later on, right? So we need to devise an educational system where it makes it easy. For instance, if I can send my sons, no matter how, uh, sons and daughters, no matter how uh, silly they are, to, and pay a huge amount of money, but that's what I can do, you see. 
but if i have an employee at my home who has to send his child to a government school and then he can't afford to send that child to a high university what will happen because he the mindset is that it, the, my child must study but is not studying then it will be a stigma for the child because of the family pressure that i have not been able to study and i have to uh, do tailoring or maybe i have to do then they prefer to be a driver or some sort of profession which is honorable in their se- uh, segment of society but not maybe as rewarding as fulfilling as what their individual capability may be yes and i i can i i find it saddening you know when you look at a mechanic people look them look them look at them as someone beneath you it's quite a quite saddening you know our version self praises everyone is made equal right so yes. no one's above someone else um and i and your 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 what you said about our cultural mindset being a niche or like a bit above our uh, what we uh what if yeah so we mostly derive things from our cultural mindset so we say that we mostly focus on our religion these things at times clash because our culture at times gets the best of us so this is our culture sadly that if someone's a mechanic or a gardener we look down upon them and if someone's like what a csp officer or anyone else of the sort you will consider them as superior when in all uh well when when we get to the uh when we get to reality like it back down to earth at times those people may have a more higher degree of innate intelligence that we uh, overlook but that is what it is um uh, <laughs> let me share some uh, please, let me share something with uh, you when i was in metric i i was in convent and this uh, aga khan had been newly set up back then and this team of uh, nurses came from aga khan and the, uh, they came to our school and this inspired us all to become nurses now i belong to uh, my father was an army officer and things like that and so i went home very happy and i said i'm going to be a nurse and you can guess what happened <laughs> so, um, so that's how good ideas got shot down but anyway things move on anyway so what are you thinking now um so yes my father is also from the military he retired he was also an army officer special forces so he also wanted to see me as an officer but i i had the stature the build um somebody even consider me special forces material at the time but i i i was more of an artist so my my personality type is enfp so enfps are like the most creative uh, type out there like they're the most eccentric type too So they don't usually fare well in poetry they're like they don't want to be confined to a specific job they want a new thing right so exactly. even i was like uh, i want to be an artist i want to be this like i'm 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 bent on doing new things i don't consider having one profession uh, at the same time i remember even talking to you like i told you like i want to be a computer psychologist and the a couple of days uh, after that I told you that I also want to get into recreational therapy not two different things but because I want to do new things uh I want to implement those into my daily work regimen and I think uh, you are born at a good time in our uh, history in our country's uh, history because now i see a lot of changes uh, coming place it's the youth bulge uh, all of you you are in majority now and uh, we are uh, we are the older generation and we are now also relaxed and many of many of us are also giving the children the freedom to do like you have got your uh, this uh, opportunity to do what you want to do right so uh, i think it's a good time for pakistani children i hope we can change a lot of things for uh, for the rest of the children but i am counting on you people who are already doing a lot of things so you are actually uh, uh, your generation is the trend changer in pakistan absolutely um another thing what what would you like what instruction or what uh, suggestion would you 
now, today, Pakistan. What do you think they should start doing, like, to improve the lives of the children and their futures, with whatever personal capacity they have at their hand? Oh, lots of things, but uh, when I think about it, I, uh, you know, from my time and um, from the way we we have spent our lives, I'll just bring one more point uh, to your notice, uh, Valib. You know, every uh, uh, nation, every group of people, they go through trauma. You are ta- you talk about burnout. I talk about intergenerational trauma. Okay, so. Exactly. Uh, when Pakistan was made, my parents, uh, they uh, witnessed a lot of things. They made the shift, they came to Pakistan, they got their relatives left behind and with many others. So, uh, so we were a generation who grew up with a very stoic set of parents, right? And and so so the, but their trauma was passed on to us because their parenting was affected by that. Now my generation was again different because we had another kind of trauma during the 80s in our time, right? And that has also taken us in another direction. Now coming to the 90s, what happened was the terrorism, the uh, the blast that were happening everywhere. And I, my PhD thesis is basically based on the vicarious trauma because I wondered what. Okay, if you are in a the blast, there's something else. But what is happening to the others? to my children, to their friends, to everybody else who is uh, not there but yet is affected. So uh, my thesis is online. You can have a look at it if anyone wants to. And I found out that uh, in the 90s, the children, the youngsters, they had a a moderate level of PTSD, okay, post-traumatic stress disorder due to vicarious inference. this moved on and now you have the pandemic. So basically, every generation has been affected. And this um, inability to talk about, inability to accept, uh, lack of government structure, lack of a mental health support system, and at the same time, lack of awareness, which is very uh, dominant in our schools get my point so the whole system is not geared and we never really developed that system to deal with these things happening again and again and when we talk about you know uh, people and parents doing things and a lot of time i would also bring to your uh, uh, you know uh, to the uh, general uh, uh, public that mental health issues are present in the seniors now. Okay. The, uh, when the parents are fighting, they have lived through a life of compromise. When the husbands and wives are not getting along, there are a lot of personality issues, psychiatric issues. So they, they have not been addressed and they're just continuing. So you see, it's just perpetuating a lot of it. Then we come to the pandemic. And what has happened here is that again, this generation, especially with the relentless online classes and the fear that Corona is here and uh, uh, don't do this, you'll get Corona. And and that has created a lot of um, long term issues. And it's just a matter of time before these start coming up more and more. And we may be facing a higher level of disaster, which we are not prepared for. So in these times, it's my humble suggestion or my viewpoint is that we need to keep ourselves busy. We need to keep ourselves focused. We need to focus on our self-care, which is meditation and emotional regulation. That is the most important thing that if I know how to take care of myself when I'm angry, when I'm upset, when I'm sad, and that's the best thing a parent can give to the child. Okay, it's okay to get overwhelmed, it's okay to get sad, but I'm there for you. We'll work through it and things will sort themselves out. We don't make promises of uh, everything being uh, hunky-dory or uh, like roses in the garden sort of thing, but we say we'll get through it. We'll get through it together. So I would really work on this uh, uh, aspect as a professional 
as uh, uh, even as in my own family i do that everybody i come across we help each other understand our emotions deal with them and put in place appropriate strategies techniques in schools universities workplaces police stations name it but we need to all calm down and take care of ourselves first and then take care of each other exactly i agree with that and uh, another thing if anyone wants to reach out to you you know uh, professional help session that i'm speaking up like um and any queries likewise on this topic uh so how would they um well uh, i have my uh, clinic in uh, g8 markers islamabad uh, the name is ace assessment and counseling for education um and uh, it's in parkland square and uh, shall i give you the telephone number here or i'm also available insta uh, the uh, account is ace_isb i'm on facebook by my name and by the clinic's name so i have two pages on uh, facebook uh, and then i have a twitter edu psychology and uh, so three four uh, places here and if they need a number then i can share my number with you so i have an assistant he receives uh, and we set up the um, appointment and the whole thing i believe that it would be better you know to get through by style of those uh, those uh, platforms because you know So what happened is I think that the platform I'm recording on has its specific cap uh, time duration cap so I think I exceeded it. So what I was saying is uh what I was talking about is I think number, giving out numbers may not be secure you know a lot of people have this uh, a lot of people have this, uh, this habit of prank calls and all that stuff you know. It is it is another pandemic. No no don't worry I I I don't give out my uh, personal number so I have a clinic number which I don't remember and <laughs> very bad at numbers now uh, so um, how do I do that now um uh, so I think you gave out your social media accounts where they can reach you from but if you find the number you can tell us here okay I'll do something about it and um what else and uh, i i'm uh, i make a, have a number of appearances on um, ptv world and other places so i have a generally uh, visibility uh, and uh, people can reach me and uh, i think a lot of people reach out to me through uh, um, just looking up on the uh, uh, googling through me and a lot of schools make reference uh, reference to me and i have a i i i'm very happy because uh, alhamdulillah people just come to me and anyone who comes to me with a, of as you said uh, legitimate uh, this thing i'm there for them oh that's good to hear that because a lot of people are living this challenging somewhat troubled life and they need someone to listen to them to be honest and uh people neglect their mental health a lot and don't go to the right practitioners and i believe that you're giving out of excellent service you're helping out people which is another example of altruism you're going way above and beyond in helping them and yeah people need a lot of help in this country i uh it's my uh, sort of it's becoming more and more valid for me it's becoming a personal uh, uh i don't know maybe i'm after having gone through so many things uh, in my own i lost my parents and that really changed me because and i wanted to mention here also that because of the pandemic we have lost so many of our loved ones there's a lot of grief in us so how do we deal with that and my own my way of working through after losing my parents even though i was i'm quite a mature adult i needed to find a purpose in life and i think being with people uh doing things for them 
in whatever capacity you have, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a, a, lots of things at your end. You yourself are enough to help somebody. Okay? If you have uh, knowledge, if you, so I had some knowledge, thanks to the good schooling my parents gave me. And that's what I uh, prayed to take me forward. So I make use of my knowledge and I share it as much as I can. I've been working with special needs uh, children. I've been working with parents. And my, uh, I think now my dream is really to have a place where young adults with special needs, they can come, they can learn things because everybody can learn something at any age. So I don't give up on people who have disabilities. I don't give up on people who have problems, but I believe we need to create environments for them. We need to create opportunities from them. And of course, create jobs this way. But I need to have a place of my own one day and I'm working towards, uh, I would like all the listeners to help you know, pray for, for so that I do that. And where we have people coming in and uh, being themselves, being the create, being what they were meant to be, rather than being shut away in their homes and being considered a burden or a nuisance or a problem or a source of worry. I want to want to set an example of what people with special needs can really do in Pakistan. And my number, uh, if uh, anyone wants to contact me, I can share with you. Uh, so I'll give the address again. Uh, my uh, clinic's name is ACE, Assessment and Counseling for Education. I'm at uh, uh, first floor, Parkland Square, office number eight, G8 Markers, Islamabad. If anyone wants to take an appointment, they can call at 051-234-0461 or 0335-577-4995. My email ID is uh, aceprofnl -E at gmail, aceprofnl at gmail. Twitter is at, like I said, edu psychologist. Insta is ace underscore ISB. And on Facebook, it's ace psych professionals. So may, no excuse not to reach out <laughs> if you suspect that you need to you know, work to have your psychometric assessment or just have someone to talk to. Exactly, exactly. No, no one should like hinder themselves from this because it is a very good it's a need. It's not a want. People can, may consider this a want, but it is a need. It, it, your mental nourishment is very important, and this is one of the ways, if not one of the most important and effective ways, to get yourself assessed and to get on the right track. You know, everyone needs someone to listen to, and considering this, yes. And and really, it's you know uh, the traditional model of therapy used to be like you go. Uh, People have their uh, psychoanalytic and the psychodynamic view that they'll go in for long periods. I don't work that way. Uh, with severe problems, obviously, one needs uh, long-term solutions and long-term sessions. But then that they always become difficult for families to keep up with. So I work like uh, over 8 to 12. The, the model all over the world is 8 to 12 sessions with CBT model. So I work within that framework and uh, maybe a little more. So two to three months is perfectly good. And what we do in the meanwhile is like I said, what uh, I, we give the person skills and ability to understand what they're going through. And we put them on a path where they are able to solve their own problems. Now that's the purpose of therapy. We are not telling them what to do, but we are equipping them with awareness and the te techniques, the tools, the skills to deal with situations for the rest of their life. Exactly. And that's really important, you know, because people need to have this, uh, uh, this diversification, personal diversification of skills and um, talents that need to be addressed and to be uh, recognized. 
and they just need that right platform, and they just need that right push, the right person to give that them that push to move towards that. And yeah, um, what you're doing is really commendable. You're, you're basically serving our people <laughs> for a greater cause, and it has been far too, like, it's been too uh, far overlooked. Like, people haven't seen this dimension, but when you get to that level, you see that this thing is important. You get, begin to act towards this. You don't start being, start acting passive. You start working towards this. And that's what being altruistic is all about. You think more about others than, than you think about yourself. You give more than what you take. And you're giving, and you're giving a lot to this society. And it, it, does, it deserves to be commended, like I said. Um, I recommend that anyone who wants to reach out to her, do it immediately. Um, this is an important thing to do, not just for yourself, but for others. Because if you don't take care of yourself, then how can you take care of the others around you? You need to take this. Exactly, that's how, how it goes. We live together, we are a community, and uh, we can only be a good fit if we are happy with ourselves, and then we can, we know how to take it forward from there. So be good to yourselves, and you will be good to others. Exactly, and uh, with that, I've seen that this podcast has gone quite long, and uh, I thank you for your time, Em. It was quite intellectual and informative discussion. And, uh, Thank you for having me. It's always a, a wonderful to be able to share one's ideas and concepts with the view that others will be inspired and take it much more forward than I can ever. Exactly. And inshallah, and hopefully uh, we'll have you again next time because this topic is quite, uh, it basically lies on the borderline of very diverse set of topics and ideas because mental health is a very diverse field as it is and we've only scratched the surface so we're only at the tip of the iceberg i i agree with you Vilita. i'm sorry cutting you here but i uh, all the things that i mentioned the vicarious trauma intergenerational trauma emotional regulation you know these are concepts which are not really talked about here so lots of things to do exactly and by the way, do you have a book you could recommend? Like a lot of my listeners read a lot of books. So any book on your mind, anyone, any random book? Uh, uh, books, uh, okay. Uh, I, I generally uh, go into specific of my own. It's been a long time. But uh, for instance, um, there's a book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, it's basically, I'm an EMDR therapist. So we are now understanding how trauma stays in the body. So if anyone is in, uh, interested, they can read up on EMDR, uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And they can understand, and there are a lot, there's a lot of material about it. They can look into that. And uh, that will uh, uh, give them an idea of how to understand their own selves and how their past traumas or whatever they are going through stays with them and how it manifests in their regular lives. Other than that, I love storybooks. So would you really like me to recommend some storybooks here? Uh, if you want to. Uh, <laughs> but I think the demographic has a lot of kids. A lot of people might not even listen to the podcast right now. Yep. Okay. No, but I think just uh, generally, um, the, I, I, um, this book, um, The Body Keeps the Score, that sh if it's not too technical, uh, that should be a good read. And um, just generally some, some of the stuff like this, it helps. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, since it's almost um, time for prayer, uh, I'll have to wrap this up. But before leaving, I, I Thank, I have to thank you a lot for your time. Uh, like I said, it was an it was an enjoyable, intellectual, and informative discussion. And inshallah, we'll have you again. And um, like you said, if anyone wants to reach out to her, you have her contact details. Don't worry. Don't be timid. Uh, just go ahead. Okay. Uh, your health matters a lot, even more than you even might consider it to. And. That's pretty much it from my side. So thank you so much, ma'am. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, yeah, see you guys until next time. Take care of, uh, take care of yourselves and uh, Allah Hafiz. <laughs>